Every sport needs characters. After all sports is meant to entertain the paying audience. Players that add flair, panache and get the crowd buzzing when they play. Players who have a presence on the court or the playing field. I never enjoyed watching players like Lendl, Sampras or even Edberg play. I found them boring and mechanical. Even though they were successful, they played within themselves, without any emotion. My all-time favorite is Boris Becker. He introduced physicality to the game of tennis. He introduced power tennis. He introduced diving to get the ball in. I also enjoyed watching Agassi, McEnroe and Ivanishevich. Today I enjoy Novak Djokovic, Roger Federer, and Rafael Nadal play. Each one brings a different flavor to the game of tennis. Each one is different in his own style of play. Federer is sheer poetry, no one in the history of the game moves as effortlessly and elegantly on the tennis court as he does. He glides doesn't run. He will make a gazelle play second fiddle. Nadal is all brute force, he chases the ball like a beaver chasing insects in a forest. Joko is a fighter, never gives up, creates opportunities out of impossible situations and has taken fitness to a different level. Djokovic is my personal favorite. Not just because of the way he plays, but also because he came out surviving and fighting from a war-torn country to show the world that hard work, dedication and discipline is all that matters. However, I always find it difficult to understand the accolades Federer gets as compared to his peers, Djokovic and Nadal. Especially when their overall record against him is comfortably superior, especially when their Grand Slam record against him is significantly better and when only a couple of Grand Slam titles separates their overall tally today. Why this unilateral adulation for Federer? Are people favorably biased towards Federer? And why? This got me thinking, to decode the Federer myth both statistically and at the level of human behavioral psychology. Decoding it statistically is the easier part. The records are in public domain and no one can challenge the records. However, what is important is to understand how one interprets the records. People give different weightages to different records. For example, some may consider the total number of titles won and not just Grand Slams. For them what matters is every tournament that you participate in and not a few majors. Some may say that Bjorn Borg is a better grass court player than Pete Sampras even though he won fewer Wimbledon titles than Sampras. 5 is compared to 7. The reason they may cite is the fact that Borg won them on five consecutive occasions and Sampras managed just four consecutive titles. So even if Sampras's achievement on grass is better than Borg's, people may interpret the statistics differently. Some may say that Sampras is a better grass court player than Federer even though Federer has eight Wimbledons compared to seven won by Sampras. But Sampras never lost a Wimbledon final while Federer has already lost in four. Hence the preference for Sampras. I don't want to labor into some long and old history but just analyze how the Federer, Nadal, Djokovic rivalry has panned out over the last decade. Look at it first from a purely statistical perspective. Below are some insights from the Federer, Nadal and Djokovic history. A. Let's lay out the basics first, if you look at their overall record against each other, Federer has won fewer matches against both Djoko and Nadal though one may consider Federer's age being six years senior to both Djoko and Nadal. B. Now let's move to the Grand Slam record. Ever since Djokovic won his first Grand Slam at the Australian Open in 2008, Federer has won just 8 more Grand Slams, while Nadal has won 15 slams. Of course during this period Djoko won 16 slams. C. Also since Djoko won his first slam, Federer has won just a single Grand Slam when playing either Nadal or Djoko. During this period, both Nadal and Djoko have won 8 Grand Slam finals each when playing against each other. D. In Grand Slam finals against each other, Nadal has won 6 out of 9 matches against Federer, while Djoko has won 4 out of 5 against Federer. 
Between Nadal and Joko they have won four times against each other so a far more equitable rivalry as compared to Federer's with both Joko and Nadal. E, if you consider all the slam bouts, Federer has won just 40% of the matches against Nadal while he has won 60% of the matches against Joko. F, their Grand Slam final loss record is also quite similar, with Nadal losing only 44.44% of the slam finals he has played, Federer losing 55% and Joko 56.25%. G. After the slams, the ATP 1000 Masters is considered the next best mark event. I don't want to get into the head-to-head stats again because Federer misses out here as well. However if you want to look at the overall ATP Masters wins, Federer has 27 titles, compared to Djokovic's 32 titles and Nadal's 33. H. Now comes the big one, though this one is a classic for a heated debate, out of the 20 Grand Slam titles won by Federer, he has won 19 against lower-ranked opponents. Some may say, ah, he was at most times the number one ranked player so this should not count against him. Of course it shouldn't. But then let's probe this further. PLC table, A, below and draw your own conclusions. For me the red and green highlight are the clinchers. Well it's not Federer's fault if he meets an unseated player in the final. Even if he has won only a solitary Grand Slam match as a higher ranked player. But then does Federer thrive mostly when he is playing a weaker opponent as long as the opponent is not an Nadal or Djokovic? To put the record straight, as the top seed at a Grand Slam final, Federer and Djokovic have won 73.33% of their matches each while Nadal has won 75% of his. So nothing separates them here. So why this conclusion that Federer is the greatest tennis player ever? Just because he has won the most slams, 20 which in all probability will be equaled and broken by Djokovic and perhaps even Nadal. In spite of all statistics in favor of Nadal and Djokovic, why is Federer considered a rung above them? That's when I realized that we are perhaps missing another key factor. Statistics is all about numbers. And numbers is something which is not enjoyed or understood by everyone. I am not being pretentious here but this is a scientifically proven fact. So if numbers is not understood and liked by a majority, what is the universal marker? Which is that factor that binds a majority of us humans closer? It is the human emotion, our perception, our heuristics and biases. It is subjective but it has a stronger influence than a more objective approach. This has been brilliantly explained by Daniel Kahneman in his award-winning book, Thinking Fast and Slow. I believe it is important to understand the essence of the concept explained by Kahneman in order to understand the bias in favor of Federer. So here is a short summary of the book, Kahneman who has won the 2002 Nobel Prize in Behavioral Economics explains that there are two systems when it comes to considering judgment and choice. The first system is fast and automatic in comparison to the second system which is slower and more deliberate. Kahneman considers the first system to be fast thinking. It is thinking done almost automatically or instinctively. Thinking is done with almost no effort from the person and there is no feeling of control. He explains that this is the system of thinking that is incredibly influential, more than you think, as it influences almost all of your regular judgments and choices. Answering simple equations such as 2 plus 2 or knowing that the second part of the phrase bread and is butter is due to the first system of thinking. If the first system is fast thinking, then the second system is slow thinking. Further the second system involves thinking that is more complex and more mentally draining. It takes concentration for the person to process the thoughts. Kahneman explains that system 2 is easier to identify with, it is the conscious self, the version of you that makes decisions, makes choices, and has reason and beliefs. But again he highlights that system 1 being such a rapid process, it will inevitably run into problems from time to time, and in this situation, system 2 will step in for support. 
sometimes the situation will call for more detailed processing than System 1 can account for. When System 1 simply cannot provide an answer, System 2 will step up to the plate. System 2 is designed to monitor the thoughts and actions that System 1 promotes. Not only will it monitor these, but it will also control these by encouraging, suppressing or modifying behaviors. When we look at statistics and draw a conclusion, we are using System 2. System 1 is however what majority of the people use, emotions, biases, heuristics. Thus stupendous statistics don't count if you are perceived and seen in a negative light, ask Lance Armstrong. Conversely even if your numbers are relatively poor, but the person's off-court perception is superior, the numbers are conveniently ignored. It's human nature. Look at David Beckham. Federer comes from a stable, happy and a balanced family. He married his childhood sweetheart and has produced two adorable sets of twins. There are no controversies attached to him. He is calm and composed on the court. His parents are together for everyone to see even though they never sit next to each other while watching his matches. He is a decent bloke. An ideal family man. An ideal husband, father, boyfriend and son. We all love to see this given the trash surrounding us. But what's wrong with Nadal and Djokovic? Both have had no major controversies. Both have a stable private life. But they are not the sweet, goody boys that we all want to watch. They have had their own personal issues like most people around the world. But then the world needs to see the ideal, storybook lifestyle which unfortunately most humans cannot lead. Another endearing trait of Federer is that he expresses his emotions in public, he cries. It is another matter that his tears are shed mostly when he has lost. While on the other hand, I have also found Nadal and Joko shedding tears, tears of joy, tears when they have achieved something which was considered unachievable. Again Federer's tears get the accolades. I enjoy watching Federer. I consider him to be one of the greatest along with his two closest peers as well as others who have achieved equally magical feats statistically, Martina Navratilova, Serena Williams, Steffi Groff, Bjorn Borg, Pete Sampras, and Rod Laver. I have realized that sports throws up strong biased opinions, views and emotions which the other side finds it hard to reason. So I would rather not get into this debate of who is the best of them all. Each fan has their own favorite, a choice born out of their own personal journey, their friends, their influencers and many other factors. So I prefer to leave this debate as it is. Let the Federer fans think he is the greatest, let us others consider our own heroes as the greatest. Statistics don't matter in the end. Do they? For me they do, so even if Djokovic is my favorite from among the current lot, statistically he is behind Nadal. Look at tables B and C below and you will understand. It's my system 2 overpowering my system 1 now. In order to put a number to the various factors within the Federer-Nadal-Djokovic rivalry, I have created my own point system. I have tried to keep it simple and have focused on the Grand Slams. This will not stop me from cheering for Djokovic as it will not stop the Federer fans from cheering for him. Let's just enjoy the fact that we are witnessing three champions in the same era. Most eras have witnessed a maximum of two. Again statistically to strengthen this argument, ponder over the fact that since Djokovic's slam win at the Australian Open in 2008, one out of these three has been in the finals 45 out of 47 times. And one of out the three has won it 39 times. We have been fortunate. Table A. Grand Slam wins winning facts Federer Nadal Joko Grand Slam wins as the top seed 11611 over higher ranked player 173 over lower ranked player 191113 out of the lower ranked player he defeated. How many were the next seed 538 out of the lower ranked players? How many were lower than the next seed but not unseeded 1074 over unseeded player 411? Table B. 
Grand Slam Count Post Joko Slam Count Slam Winner Win Against Each Other Year Federer Nadal Joko Fed Nadal Joko Fed Nadjo How many wins against each other post Joko's first slam win at the Aus Open 2008? 1 times 88. Table C. Grand Slam wins points earned at winning facts Fed Nadal Joko Fed Nadjo Grand Slam wins as the top seed 11611 over higher ranked player 17310703 over lower ranked player 191113 out of the lower ranked player he defeated. How many were the next seed 53825140 out of the lower ranked players? How many were lower than the next seed but not unseated 107425175510 over unseated player 411411 total 641031.581 bonus points 8020160 grand total 144303.5241 points earned for winning against lower ranked player when the player is the next seed 5 points earned for winning against lower ranked player other than the next seed slash rank 2.5 points earned for winning against unseated player 1 points earned for winning against higher ranked player 10 bonus points for winning against each other 20.